This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What up? Welcome back to Round Ball Stew, presented by Roto World. I'm Dan Titus, Yahoo Fantasy Basketball Analyst, joined with Raphael Johnson. As usual, but this time we don't have that much advice for you because the regular season is now over. We are into the offseason and the NBA playoffs are about to kick off tonight uh, with the playing tournament. So really exciting stuff. But first off, we got to talk about the the late season antics with some of these organizations. We'll, we'll talk about the playing tournament, some seeding implications, and then we'll get into also Roto World's recently just released their all rookie team. So we'll talk about the best rookies of fantasy basketball to close out the show. But first things first, Raph, what the hell are the Dallas Mavericks doing? You trade all these assets for Kyrie Irving. You give away your depth. And then at the finish line, you have the chance to actually, well, I mean, Oklahoma City had to lose a couple of games, but you at least try to make an effort and go for it. They just mailed it in. Luca played like, what, 12 minutes Barely even put in any effort there. Yeah, man. What are your thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks, and where do you go from here? It was it was pitiful. Um, it was it a was clear. Pitiful. It was a clear clear move to try to protect that lottery pick. It's top ten protected if it finished yep. their draft. If they're um, pulled out of lottery before after that, then it goes over to the Knicks. So you know the, to protect their odds for that. That was the main play for it. Luca played the first quarter only because it was they're honoring Slovenia, obviously Slovenian heritage yeah, night. Slovenian. And you had you had people fly from Eastern Europe to celebrate Luca for this game. Get to the arena, he's only going to play the first quarter. And it's like first off, if you're going to do these types of promotions, don't wait until the end of the season to do it. And like <laughs> because yeah. you don't think about that. You really want someone to fly few thousand miles to watch their favorite player play and then you pull them like that i just think a level of decency is kind of required from a franchise in that regard uh what upset me even more was that Jaden hardy was pulled to halftime and he's a guy that you want to play all the minutes that he can you know if you happen to win the game well you kind of put yourself in this position to begin with but it's like it, I don't think it helps someone like him at all to get pulled to halftime, essentially saying, we don't want to win this game because you're trying to build a culture as far as I would understand. Yeah, that, that culture is certainly going to come into question here. Kyrie Irving's already said he's going to test free agency no yeah. matter what they offer him in terms of an extension. They do have the ability to do that with his bird rights. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, the NBA is investigating Mark Cuban – I mean, you could see it on Mark Cuban's face at the end of the game when they missed that shot. He was just like, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Christian Wood's not coming back. They already said that they don't want to bring him back. Um, I don't know. This culture is a mess. And I think this, this is not a Kyrie thing. This is, uh, this is something that's been kind of building for a while. There's yeah. now rumors. You know, Mike Wilbon said it that he wouldn't be surprised if Luka asked for a trade, if not this offseason, next offseason. 
Um, I mean, it's just, I, man, from a fantasy perspective, like if you're playing at the end of the season and you had a Luca, uh, a Luca, a Christian Wood, like Kyrie Irving, man, like, it's just brutal that, yeah. you know, the playing tournament was created to make the end of the season competitive for those bottom end teams. And that <laughs> the one instance that you have to like, oh, let's make it right. Cuban's like, nah, let's just not, nah, nah, we're, we're going to protect this pick. We care more about the future. Well, guess what? I don't know. Maybe he actually does need that pick because I don't know mm-hmm. who's going to want to play in Dallas right now with all this crap going on. Jason Kidd, his job's probably safe, but definitely some questionable coaching decisions towards the end of the season here. Um, I don't know, man. Between them and the Blazers, I'm like, whose situation is worse? Yeah. Um, so we might as well talk about that too. At least the mm-hmm. Blazers – they told you they were mailing it in like weeks ago. Like they shut down Damian. They shut down Anthony Simons. Jeremy Grant hasn't played for like three weeks. Um, at least they gave us like, they gave us the indication that they, they don't care. Um, the problem is, is like Dame is like, yo, I'm not, I don't know that I want to re up another rebuild here for two or three seasons. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have it in me. So if you're the Blazers, what do you do? Where do you go from now? I mean, I think you have a, at least a, uh, I think you could say a, a star potential player in, in Shaden Sharp. You acquired Matisse Thybul. At least you got your defensive stopper. Front court is certainly going to be uh, an area they're going to need to address in the offseason and, and going forward. But, I mean, where do you go from here with, if you're the Blazers? Yeah, uh, to be clear, Dallas isn't the only team that tanked. It's just the suddenness of how they did it. It just got people The up manner in which on. they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like as you mentioned with Portland, they, they let us know weeks in advance that guys weren't going to play. But um, Jeremy Grant's going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. I think the albatross for them is that use of Nurkic contract. Like, why they gave him that kind of money guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, I know I know he and Dame are tight, but that doesn't mean you have to give him all the money. Like, man, come on. I, I don't even have words for it <laughs> to, to make a decision like that. Um. Just hamstringing oh. your franchise with Yusuf Nurkic, yeah. who hasn't been a healthy, hasn't been healthy, um, has clearly been attacked by by numerous, you know, offenses just for his. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's pretty much a cone out there. Um, plays drop coverage, not very helpful in terms of switching on to opposing defenders. Um, I don't know. He's a low end double double guy, but like, just definitely not a, a cornerstone yeah. franchise piece that you want to pay that kind of money when you're trying to appease your superstar player to get other people to Portland. Like, I don't, who's, who's like lobbying to play with Yusuf Nurkic? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They, they, they've done a good job. Their draft odds are decent. So they should be able to get someone good in this draft class. You've got a really good top end of the draft. I think that this draft class is going to wind up being one of the better ones in recent history, you know, not well beyond uh, Wembanyama, Scoop, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, those guys. So, they should yeah. be able to get a talented piece, but, you know, Dame's not getting any younger. Yeah, as he alluded to in his comments, and I have another two or three years. Like, he probably does, but it's like the patience is going to wear thin. So they need to figure out something because they're also paying him a lot of money to kind of figure this thing out too. So, Yeah, I think, you know, Chris Middleton, I think would be an interesting player. He's got a player mm-hmm. option. Um, Bucks have his bird rights, but he is – he is. Uh, he has a player option, so he could opt out to get a little bit more money. Going to be a big playoff for him. 
Uh, hopefully his knee holds up so that we can actually see, you know, obviously he's playing for, for that next bag. So um, there's quite a few free agents that I think could help, but like, I don't know, man. What's your early prediction? Does Dame stay in Portland? Like, can they figure out enough? Can they work the cap space enough to get winners around him or trade off some of those younger assets to potentially, you know, bring in some other veterans to help them win? Or is Dame out? I think he'll be there next season. Um, I don't know what exactly they're going to do, but I think he's got one more year in Portland before they really have to take a look at this and see if it's time to pull the plug because, you know, his, his cap number is not going to get any smaller. It's only going to increase these next few years. Jeremy Grant was effective when he was on the floor, but like I said, with the Nurkic contract, that's money that you can't spend elsewhere. And it's not a contract that people are going to rush to acquire either. So, I think we're looking at one more year because people kind of fool themselves into saying, well, injuries had a, a major factor in it. I'd say did, but I don't really see the upside in Portland, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't either. It's like kind of like him and Bradley Beal. Like Bradley Beal was complaining. Sorry, Adam. Um, Adam, Adam, <laughs> the producer here. Yeah. Got to hear about the Wizards slander. But like Beal continues – at every exit interview to complain about like the competitiveness of the team and it needs to get better. But it's like, bro, you just continue to hamstring this team with your ridiculous yeah. supermax. Like you're not allowing people to really come in here, stay, build a, a culture that, you know, is a winning culture. Um, so everybody kind of goes there as a rental and then they're out. So we'll see what, what Kyle Kuzma decides to do. It sounds like they want to resign Porzingis. Definitely something they should probably do, but I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. see. Like maybe Bradley Beal finally forces his way out of, out of the wizard situation, similar to what Bradley Beal or similar to what Damian Lillard's kind of going through right now. Um, want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets for a second because Cam Thomas had a great game to close out the season, 46 points, one off of his career high of 47. He got 25, did not play his coach's decision this, yeah. this season. So I don't know. Obviously, this guy's a bucket, and he was a huge huge waiver wire pickup for a certain portion of the season for fantasy managers, right? When that trade happened, he was getting a ton of minutes and then he kind of faded out. Uh, once Jock Vaughn realized that, you know, he had to play more defensive minded players and then also acclimating those, those new acquisitions into the lineup, knowing that they're going to still have a shot at the playoffs, but just want to get your, your take on whether you think Cam Thomas can actually find a role, uh, a sustain, sustain a role in this, Brooklyn Nets um, offense and team maybe it's like a six man like I don't know he mm. seems more explosive to me than like Seth Curry yeah. I don't know I feel like it's time for that they got to give him a shot yeah I'd agree with that I think he can be a microwave like score off the bench uh, the issue is the defensive end of the floor like he's never yeah. been the most defensively inclined player and like you mentioned their need to have more defensive type wings you know given all the guys that they acquired or at or around the trade deadline he wasn't going, he wasn't in a good spot for minutes. Um, I think we all knew what was going to happen on Sunday the minute they announced that everybody was sitting. Uh, so maybe 46 was a bit of a surprise, but you knew he was probably going to go for 30 um, just because of the, uh, yeah. the circumstances. So, yeah, I think what he does defensively this summer uh, is going to be crucial for him if he wants to get on the floor because – it can't just be about cryptic social media posts because we can all watch the games and see why you aren't playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would love to see him commit to the defensive end in the offseason. Offense was never 
never a question, man. But like he's got to lock in on defense if he wants to get any minutes. And I think that's one thing that Jock Vaughn has always been pretty vocal about is is strapping up on D um, and really trying to see see how he can earn more minutes there. But yeah, absolutely great performance. But I think he had probably the second best performance of the closing night of the NBA. Kenny Lofton Jr. Kenneth Lofton Jr. No relation to Kenny Lofton, the baseball player who was a dope baseball player. But he went off for 42 points. And he's coming off like, I mean, he's the G League MVP. And I saw yeah. some talk about it. Maybe it's on Twitter or something. But, like, I do feel like G League MVP should be awarded something, right? Like, mm-hmm. two-way contracts happen all the time. But I feel like that's a pretty good award. And, like, the competition of the G League is definitely going up. Um, it just kind of amazes me how good of a score this guy is. Uh, being how burly he is and like, I don't know, just not a traditional basketball player build. Yeah. Um, but I also kind of take it with a grain of salt. Like, yeah, he did go off, but the Grizzlies weren't really playing any of their players. Um, he was going up against essentially bench players and G leaguers himself. Mm-hmm. So as a G league MVP, shouldn't have been that hard for him. Cause he already proved that he could do that. <laughs> but what are your, th- what are your thoughts on, on him? And I guess he's more of a dynasty hold. Right now, um, I think he's showcased enough that's like, hey, it's worth holding a roster spot for this guy. But do you think he could actually crack the lineup or the rotation for the Grizzlies and get some meaningful minutes? Not maybe this season, but going into next season. I actually think he might in the playoffs uh, just because how shorthanded they are in the front court. Steven Adams, unlikely to return with his knee injury. Brandon Clark out with the Achilles. Leaves you Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier Tillman, and Santi Aldama. I don't think Lofton's going to play much, but there may come a game where they have to steal a few minutes because of foul trouble or whatever. So, you know, he got the the guaranteed. He got himself a standard contract signed on Saturday, then he goes off on Sunday. Um, I don't think you're going to have him in your DFS lineup, so you play playoff DFS. But, hey, I, I would not be surprised if he got some rotation minutes at some point, at least in an early series. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see who they wind up facing in the play-in tournament here. They're going to face the seventh seed. So depending on the matchup, maybe it mm-hmm. might maybe it might make sense to get another big in there, um, especially if it might be like the, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, assuming Gobert will be back. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, yeah, I don't know that I – yeah, I don't know that I have a confidence that he's going to see significant minutes so yeah. soon. But, like, I think it's going to take an injury – but I do think Santi Aldama is interesting because he gives you at least the ability to stretch the floor. Not really a rim protector by any means, but um, Xavier Tillman is certainly going to be the guy that's going to be holding down their front court along with Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, but it's just been a great story. Um, you know, this guy was really good in, in college, and I think he was kind of underrated in terms of coming into yeah. the draft, had to kind of earn his place. But, I mean, to, for him to be G League MVP – and then ultimately earn a contract and actually be on the playoff roster says a lot Mm -hmm. about this kid. So, um, yeah, if you have him in dynasty leagues, I I would definitely hold. And as, as Raph suggested, I probably wouldn't deploy him in, in DFS just yet, but if there's an injury, I mean, who knows, uh, he might have a chance to actually get, get some time on the floor. Um, so I did just talk about the the Minnesota Timberwolves. Ooh, man, we got things to talk about those Timberwolves. So, (laughs) For anyone that wasn't paying attention, uh, Rudy Gobert decided him and Kyle Anderson got into it on the bench. He decided to strike uh, Kyle Anderson in the chest with what seemed to be a right hook, kind of didn't really connect, didn't really land. But it was enough to 
um, get him sent to the locker room, sent home, and suspended for the first game of the play-in tournament. Um, uh, I guess from a temperature check, a temperature check of the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think probably the bigger story is that Jaden McDaniels broke his broke his hand or his wrist, fractured his wrist, um, punching a wall the same game. So it's like, is this just all going bad for Minnesota? Do you have any faith of them going into the playoffs right here? Are they going to be the one that's going to be sitting at home watching the playoffs? Like, or can they turn it around? Cause they did after all of that turmoil, they did get the win uh, that they needed to get to secure that seven spot. But I don't know. Do we, do you have any faith in them and where does Rudy Gobert go from here? Um, it, it was his hand just to be clear um, broke the third and fourth metacarpals on his right hand. Um, just another reminder that if you attempt to fight a wall, the wall is going to <laughs> win. Um, losing battle there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I agree with you. I think the McDaniels absence is far more bigger just because far more important, I should say, because you got to guard LeBron James with someone. And McDaniels is developing into one of the best defenders in the NBA, in my opinion. And to not yeah. have him out there, you got Torian Prince, you got Kyle Anderson. But I don't know if you can get enough from those two guys to defend LeBron over the course of maybe 35 to 37 minutes that he's going to play. So I think it's a huge loss. I think they can win that eight, the eight seed game, whoever comes out of that one between New Orleans and Oklahoma City. But no Jaden McDaniels. I think even if they do make the playoffs, it's going to be a short stay. Um, Gobert's absence, I think it's going to help them spacing-wise. You lose a little bit of rim protection, obviously, but the offensive spacing has just been really clunky between he and Carl Anthony Town. So I think that may actually help them for tonight, but then he's going to be back. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I have a similar I have a similar sentiment as well. Like I think in the short term versus the Lakers, Anthony Davis is going to absolutely torch Carl Anthony Towns. And so that that probably would have helped with that rim protection. But not having Jaden McDaniels on the floor is that's a win gift for the the Lakers there, mm-hmm. especially when you got LeBron James. Um, so yeah, I think that that's I think it will help them though because I think Gobert probably if he got into foul trouble, which ultimately could have happened, um, or if they just need to go smaller because you know the Lakers don't have the most imposing front court either. Yeah. Um, I think it will help them pick up their pace having Gobert off the floor. Kyle Anderson is definitely a, a unique forward that can guard uh, can play either position um and then when you have carl anthony towns and gobert on the floor like i mean they were 34 and 36 uh with gobert in the lineup this year so like it wasn't like he was giving them this whole another layer of you know confidence and and production um i don't think that they figured it out yet so i think going to the the other way of playing more dynamic having more spacing getting up and up giving up getting up and down the floor I think will bode well against the Lakers going forward. It's going to be a rough. It's going to be a rough go because they're going to need mm-hmm. losing Jaden McDaniels on that wing. There is going to be crucial for their wing defense. Um, but this should be a good game, though. I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, obviously, there's the drama and the turmoil behind it, but I think that the Minnesota Timberwolves can rally behind this. Like I think everyone's kind of counting them out with all the stuff that's going on. So we'll see. I took the um, I took the Timberwolves eight and a half actually. So hopefully, it, it, this this uh, supports my bankroll. But I could also <laughs> see the Lakers just obviously steamrolling them too. Um, let's uh, so other injury news. I don't expect there's going to be too much stuff coming out of the injury report um, ahead of the playing tournament. But just in case, make sure you download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. 
Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of injuries, the Lakers don't really have many injuries here. So they're going to be pretty much fully staffed against the Minnesota Timberwolves. What's your read on this game? How, how do you think it's going to pan out? I think the Lakers are going to end up winning um, just because the Anthony Davis factor. They, I don't think they, Minnesota really has anyone who can guard him um, yeah. with Gobert out. And Austin Reeves has played really well recently. So that's another to keep an eye on. Also, D'Angelo Russell being healthy. He's listed as probable, but he's going to be out there. I think that the less you have Dennis Schroeder on the court, the better if you're the Lakers. So, <laughs> you know, I think they're going to be fine there. Um, I don't know about like eight and a half points you said this spread was, if that's still the case, but I think it'll be a reasonably close game. I just think the Lakers are going to have too much, kind of take care of business at home. And a Lakers-Grizzly series would be interesting, I think. Yeah, I think so too. That would definitely be a uh, yeah. I, I would I would love to see that matchup because I think that the Grizzlies they definitely have something to prove here. Um, but matchup wise, I would love to see Jaron Jackson Jr. and, and Anthony Davis go at yeah. it. <clears throat> Obviously, this is John Moran factor and Desmond Bain. Um, but yeah, I think that that would be a real test to see how good Jaron Jackson Jr. is and whether that mm-hmm. defensive player of the year potential can actually hold up against uh, a force like AD in playoff mode. Um, really curious to see how this kind of the, the Grizzlies kind of translate because they you know they definitely scored a lot in transition. Things tend to tighten up in, in the playoffs, strap your defense. So I'm curious to see if their half court offense can finally put put together something uh, of substance because this that's definitely where they struggled last year in the playoffs and in years past. Um, the other play in tournament, the, the Hawks face the um, Miami Heat tonight. Injury report uh, looks pretty good for the Hawks side of things. Uh, Kyle Lowry is questionable for the Miami yeah. Heat. Are you expecting him to give it a go? Um, it's playoff time, so I'm assuming he's gonna he's gonna play. But honestly, did the Heat even want him to play? <laughs> well, 
Yeah, I think he'll be in the, the same role they've had him in the last few weeks coming off the bench. Um, probably play, what, 20 to 23 minutes. Um, they really haven't gotten too much out of that point guard position between him and, and Gabe Vincent. So it's really going to come down to whether or not Jimmy Butler can kind of control the game uh, when he's that primary playmaker. So you've got Bam, you've got Tyler Hero. I think those guys will be fine. Can someone hit, step up and hit some jumpers? Like, you know, Max Struess has been off and on. Duncan Robinson largely been out of the rotation. So if, if one of those guys can step up, I think the Heat have a good chance to take care of business at home. But I don't know, man. The more I think about DeJounte Murray – and his addition to that Hawks uh, lineup, this kind of game may be why they brought him in, you know, because Trey Young really struggled in that Miami series last year in terms of making plays. He had the one game if they won, but I don't know. DeJounte's got the size, the athleticism, the strength, and also he's an elite defender. So this might be a DeJounte-Murray kind of game, if anything, for Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, I I think – you know, also an underrated signing, I think, was Sadiq Bey. Um, yeah. He's provided that open that open floor shooting that they needed. That they, I mean, Bogdan Bogdanovich, was, he's been solid at it, but he's also been a bit streaky. Um, so mm. I think getting Sadiq Bey there will definitely help. Um, yeah, this is a tough read for me because, like, I feel like the Heat regular season tend to cruise. And once it's playoff mode for Jimmy Butler, it's like a different animal and beast. Same yeah. with Bam Adebayo. Like, I think these guys just tend to show up. Um, the Hawks, on the other hand, like, I agree with you. Like, I think they were missing that other dynamic. Um, someone else that can step up with the ball in their hands, but also create and play make. And then now you have DeJounte Murray there. I think Trey Young might struggle. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jimmy Butler, um, on him quite a bit, um, just to mm-hmm. kind of slow him up and slow up that pace of the, the Hawks offense. But then there's your X factor in DeJounte Murray, um, that gives them another, another creator that can actually, um, you know, put points on the board and get others involved. John Collins has been playing better as the season's worn on too. So I'm curious to see how he kind of, you know, plays into this, into this element as well. But like, I, I just don't think that Miami has enough scoring outside of their starters to really make this, make this a competitive game. Um, but we'll see, you know, if, if Jimmy can go 40, 40 plus minutes, bam, go 40 plus minutes, maybe that's enough to disrupt the Hawks, the Hawks offense, but the Hawks definitely have some depth now. Um, Okongu is going to give them solid minutes off the bench. Going to be another good game, man. I think that these are both two solid opening games to have in the playing tournament. I'm definitely going to be watching tuned in way more tuned in than I was to the masters for sure. Um, (laughs) My favorite time of the year is the NBA playoffs. So I'm glad we're actually getting, getting to it. Um, So let's, uh, let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk about rookies. Uh, This was a tough year for rookies. Walker Kessler was the best ranked highest ranked rookie this year. Um, followed by Jalen Williams. And then it was a significant drop-off. Um, the tiers of quality rookies this year was pretty significant. And so I'm curious, Roto World just dropped. They're all rookie teams. So tell the tell the listeners out there where you landed on the top five rookies of this season. Yeah, for me, it was pretty – three of the choices were pretty simple. Uh, Walker Kessler, Jalen Williams, and Keegan Murray, who was – I guess I don't – I guess you'd call him more of a specialist uh, just because of the three-point production. Um, became the first rookie in NBA history to make over 200 in the season. Those three guys were locked for me from a fantasy standpoint. After that, a little shaky. Um, we didn't have like specific position requirements. So okay. kind of at our own devices, I decided to stick with them. And the point guard position 
just really did not provide much from a fantasy standpoint this season. I went with Andrew Nemhart, uh, which is an eye-opening pick, I admit, ah. because you know he was in a starting lineup from early November on. I thought he gave him good value in that combo guard role next to Tyrese Halliburton. Had some good moments when Halliburton was out towards the end of the season, too. So I went with him over Jaden Ivey. I can see an argument for him if you want to stick to positions. And then my fifth player ended up being Jalen Dern. Um, so I went with a Detroit Piston, just not the one that people expected, may have expected, I should say. 8.9 rebounds per game, led all rookies in that category. He was someone that the Pistons thought would be in a G League for much of the season. That proved to be flat out wrong. Um, his, his prospects for next year, I don't really know, just because they're going to have a new head coach. They've got a bit of a log jam in the front court between he, Isaiah Stewart, uh, James Wiseman, and Marvin Bagley, but... I thought he had a promising rookie season. So that was, that was that was my five right there. I like that five. I think it's I think that was a good that was a good call putting in Nemhard. Um as I'm thinking back through this season, I feel like Nemhard was a guy that was picked up and dropped pr- pretty often, but I think it, yeah. he offered those different glimpses of opportunities because of mm-hmm. whether it be Tyrus Halliburton missing time with his ankle injury or just down the stretch as you know, yeah. the Pacers mailed it in like like the Blazers and everybody else. Um, he actually was getting double-doubles. Like, he's had a little mm-hmm. spike in assists there. He always had the, the scoring ability and the three-point shooting. Um, but having that other element of actually becoming a distributor when McConnell was also out, uh, I think was a huge advantage to, to yeah. Nemhard. And, you know, Nemhard, you know, probably less rostered than Ben Matherin, but I think he offered mm-hmm. more cross-categorial value than Ben Matherin, who was primarily yeah, just a scorer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ben Matherin's a guy that like initially I thought that he was going to be one of the best rookies this season. Um, definitely wanted to see more in terms of rebounding steals. Um, great at getting to the line. I think that that's a very positive sign for his development that he can score in a, in a bunch of different ways. Um, we'll see how the, the, the roster kind of shakes out, but I could definitely see him being a starter in this league going mm-hmm. forward and could offer some fantasy value going forward. But like, I think Andrew Nemhart is definitely a player that that's going to get more time and, and certainly proved as a rookie. He should make one of the all rookie teams um, yeah. for sure. Jalen Dern, no disagreement at all. Kind of similar to Nemhart. I think he was probably more rostered towards the end of the mm-hmm. season uh, or throughout the season, I should say, because this, the Detroit front court was just so problematic between yeah. injuries and benchings and, and Dwayne Casey just, just causing havoc. Um, but I think it was really good to see Jalen Duran become that double double threat. Like he's going to be a great rebounder in this league. I would like to see a spike in rebound and in, in blocks. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the steals are there. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Paul George was saying like how big of a force this guy is at only nineteen yeah. compared him to that of Dwight Howard. I mean that's pretty esteemed mm-hmm. territory and, and, and quite mm-hmm. an acknowledgement of the upside of this kid. So I, I would definitely slot in Duran there. Um, I think I would probably replace. Nemhard with Bancaro. And while Bancaro isn't a good fantasy player in terms like of ranking, he was 211. I, I like what he does in the major categories. 20 points per game, let all rookies, seven rebounds, almost four dimes. Um, he even get almost a steal and a block, you know, 1.3 stocks. Um, going into next year, I'm definitely going to be ranking Palo way higher than what his ranking mm-hmm. suggests. Um, his real struggle was really just the field goal percentage, the lack of three pointers. I mean, there was that one time throughout the season, he was like 
one for 31 for the month of February yeah. to March or something like that. Um, so if he can start hitting threes, which I think is something that he can certainly correct super young, um, get a little bit more efficient, get that, that 43% field goal up to say 46, cut down on a couple turnovers. Um, you have a pretty good fantasy player there. Um, so it's really about efficiency for Paolo, but you know, I think the sky's the limit for that kid. He's going to be rookie of the year this year. I think an argument certainly could be made for Walker Kessler and Jalen Williams, but uh, most voters, I think, are just looking at the box score. They see yeah. 20 points. They're like, okay, give it to Paolo. But you're talking yeah. about impact, man. Jalen Williams certainly probably had the most impact, I think, of any rookie this year. Uh, with the Oklahoma City making the playing tournament, um, I mean, everyone thought that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And, um, you know, Shagos Alexander certainly gets some respect on that too. But uh, Jalen Williams was probably second uh, to him and Giddy. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of everyone else that you mentioned. I think that the main three that you mentioned of Walker Kessler, Jalen, and uh, Keegan Murray make a lot of sense. Keegan Murray, I thought out he was going to be a little bit better too, but I think he was kind of stifled by Harrison Barnes being there. We'll see now that Harrison Barnes is going to be a free agent. Uh, we'll see if he can get more time for Sacramento, but I think he's going to slot in really well. He wasn't asked to do a lot, but the ability to be able to knock down, catch and shoot, um, and hit threes at a high rate um, – I think there's going to be a really good future ahead for, for Keegan Murray as well. Um, was there any other rookies that kind of piqued your interest this year or somebody that you're expecting to be a little bit better? You mentioned Jaden Ivey before. Um, curious to see what he's going to look like with, with Cade Cunningham coming back next year. And who knows what the draft might, might unfold. But I think there's definitely going to be more, uh, more of an opportunity for him to be a little bit more efficient doing less with someone like Cade demanding the ball for much of the, the offense. Yeah, I think a lot of the guys that – we think about as the top rookies didn't really translate fantasy wise, you know, Bancaro, Matherin, Ivy, uh, Jabari Smith. He got off to a brutally Smith, slow yeah, start, but him, then yeah. picked it up, picked it up late. He's someone to keep an eye on, but they've also got a head coaching change to deal with. Um, no, Noah Rubin had Mark Williams as one of his selections. And I thought that was an interesting, interesting choice because he was, he was in the G league for most of the first half of the season. Then they finally traded Mason Plumley. Those minutes freed up. There are some frustrating moments in terms of who is actually going to play on any given night. But Mark Williams gave them good run. I think between he and Nick Richards, they've got two interesting pieces to build with in that front court in Charlotte. So I think Mark Williams is someone that his play late in the season, it wasn't enough to put him on my all-rookie team, but I can see an argument for him. Yeah, he definitely had his moments, uh, I would say, similar to Nemhard and, and, and others. You know, we picked him up for a time. Certainly the end of, you know, if you were playing in weeks 22 and 23, it was really frustrating having Mark Williams because of Steve Clifford's decision to just bench him outright, yeah. give Nick Richards yeah. and, and Thor some run. So, um, but I think going into next season, it's, you got to feel pretty good. We'll see how the Charlotte Hornets um, decide to do and in in, what they decide to do in the draft. But um, – yeah, I think having Mark Williams with LaMelo Ball, we didn't really get to see that too much yeah. this season. I think that that would be a really exciting uh, duo, um, potential rim runner, because he, he's a really good finisher at the rim. So if you get someone throwing you some lobs, get you some easy buckets, I think that could be uh, a really nice thing to see going into next season. could be a cheap big, you know, for for rebounds and blocks uh, late in drafts. Um, trying to think of anybody else. Yeah, Jabari Smith Jr. was interesting to me because – um, super frustrating for much of the season. And then he turns it up right when you mm -hmm. probably had already moved on from him. Um, but I think we, he, we did see some, some progress in his game and, and actually just making shots, right? Um, yeah. He's going to be a guy that can stretch the floor. He was getting to his spots more. 
um, towards the end of the season. So, yeah, that coaching change, I think, um, there's a lot of talent in Houston, man. And I don't know if James Harden's really going to ruffle feathers here and disrupt the whole thing and go join a youth mm-hmm. movement. But Jalen Green improved at the end of the season. Alper and Shingun had certainly had several moments throughout the season. Let's see how all this young core kind of unfolds yeah. here. But you would expect with a with a good head coach, man, I think they should all be fancy viable if assuming Jabari Smith Jr. can actually hold on to a shot. Um, Tari Eason, I think, was a guy that um, I certainly had on my draft boards circled, you know, as a late round steal. Didn't really get much time. I would love to see him get more time at the three, at the small forward spot, you know, perhaps stagger some minutes with with KJ Martin, now that Eric Gordon's out of there, maybe he can slot in at the four when Jabari Smith is, is playing the five with Shingun on the bench. Um, I think that's the person that I'm looking forward to the most next season and what this head coaching change does, because I think he has probably the best fantasy profile out of many of the names that we mentioned outside of, you know, Paolo long-term, uh, Keegan Murray, uh, Jalen Williams, and, and Walker Kessler. I would probably slot in. I would love to slot in Tari Eason as that fifth guy, but I just don't yeah. know that he's going to get the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, so baseball season's underway. Uh, every season is draft season, but football is also right around the corner. So make sure you get your Roto World Draft Guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code BERRY, that is B-E-R-R-Y, and save an extra 20% at checkout. All right. Um, you mentioned it at the beginning of your uh, – before we started talking about the rookies, but, like, just the lack of true point guards in this draft class. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, do you think make, what do you think came of that? Like, was it just a light draft or the ones that we thought would emerge kind of didn't? Killian Hayes kind of – weirdly played well for a certain portion of time. Yeah. And I, maybe that kind of cut into Jaden Ivy's potential as a point guard, mm-hmm. but is there any other point guards outside? I mean, I think you consider Nemhard a point guard, right? Um, but outside yeah. of those two, it's like, there's not really many others that kind of stuck out. Yeah. There really wasn't much, much value to be had, to be honest with you. Um, and then, you know, the, you look at this upcoming draft class, Really isn't much there either. Uh, if you want to consider Scoot Henderson to be a point guard, he's six foot two, an explosive, more of a combo guy. Besides him, I don't really know if there's anyone else right now, to be honest with you. You, know, you look at the various big boards and you really don't have anyone. Maybe a Kobe Buffkin out of Michigan. I think he's kind of a scoring guard. Um, Marcus Sasser out of Houston, not really a big guy as well in terms of, you know, point guard play. So, it's going to be interesting where I think from a fantasy standpoint, we're going to once again be re- relying on veterans, um, which is expected. That's probably the toughest position in the NBA in terms of the talent there and then running a team. But I don't know, man. It, it's going to make for some interesting decisions. You kind of hope that if you're playing Yahoo or whatever league, they, they'd be a little bit more liberal with the uh, position designations because you might need that for some of these younger guys. Yeah, you know, I was I was talking about with the with the product team at Yahoo, and part of me is almost thinking like maybe we just do less. Like, I'm almost thinking you should just be guard, forward, center, and then yeah. just have a combination mm-hmm. of building out your roster between that. Because at this point, like Shaden Sharp, for example, another great rookie that we didn't mention, uh, at least towards the end of the season, um, mm-hmm. definitely showed out and, and was a league winner for a lot of teams. 
but he has point guard, he has shooting guard, small forward, and power forward. He might even have point guard in there too. But some of these guys would, you know, LeBron James plays so many different positions. Like at some point, yeah. it's like, all right, all these guys are, are are pretty much ubiquitous in terms of like where you can put them. Like they can play everything. So why not just scale it back? Just call them, hey, he's a guard, he's a forward, he's a he's a center, or give them, you know, guard forward center, whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that the the point guard position. I think you, you you pegged it right. Like it's a very difficult position to play and earn minutes uh, to be the the facilitator of an offense. And you know, I, I would I think we should probably steer away from just giving people straight up point guard eligibility because, as you said, Scoot Henderson kind of has a mold of like a, a Russell Westbrook, Derrick Rose type, where he might be able to average five assists a game, but he's actually more of a combo guard just due to his explosion and mm-hmm. the way he's a score first guard. Um, these past first point guards don't really, um, I don't know, they don't really make that much of an impact in fantasy, at least until a few years down the line. Um, so we'll see what comes of it. But, yeah, I think it's just going to be a light. This year was light on rookies, uh, rookie point guards. Next year is probably going to be anyway. I never usually prioritize rookies in general. Um, this year is certainly going to be a difference. Uh, we, I don't know if we talked about it yet, but where are you drafting Victor next year? Like how Ooh. aggressive are you going to get with him? Oh, man. I tend to go middle rounds with rookies um, just because you never really know. I may go a little earlier with him. I don't think I would go earlier than, say, like the fifth or sixth round personally. But He's, gonna, he's probably going to be gone by then, I would assume. He, then then I just won't have him. You know, I, I'm, okay <laughs> with, I'm okay with that. He'll probably be gone, but completely different situations. But I thought people were pretty aggressive with Zion Williamson this year. Um, but yeah, obviously one completely, completely different situations with the medical histories. Um, and yeah. I don't necessarily buy into the idea that if you're skinny, you're predis- predisposed to getting injured more often. I don't really buy into that. I think there are ways to work around that. I think if anything, I might be more aggressive with, say, a Chet Holmgren than Victor Wimbanyama going into next yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe, they're kind of a sim- similar skill set, right? I mean, I've never yeah. seen Chet mm-hmm. shoot a three and then dunk it off of one, one bounce. But like, still, like their their frame and like their skill set yeah. is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of it like, uh, yeah, I don't. I definitely fell into the Zion trap this year, but he was really good per game value. He just doesn't yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Um, what sucks for the Pelicans because he may not be ready even for the playoffs. It seems like, yeah. um, man, they got that dude just bubble wrapped right now. But I'm trying to think of like any like who was the most aggressive rookie that you drafted this year? Um, who did you have the most exposure of? Because I didn't spend a early pick on any rookie. I think the the one person that I did draft late was Matherin. I did get mm-hmm. a couple of Keegan Murray's, but those were like you know I'm drafting in the 90s, the hundreds, you know, tenth yeah. round, twelfth round type type guys, like nowhere near you know fifth, sixth round value or anything like that. Yeah, I went Jabari Smith in seventh okay. round. That did not work out too well. Um, the slow start. <laughs> I didn't give up on him, but I was really close. Um, you know, yeah. We had the early round tables. Like, don't give up on him yet because that's going to be a bad team and he's going to play a lot. So he eventually came good for some people later in the season. But I don't know, man. I, I, yeah. Too little, that, too late. <laughs> agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we have one, one um, comment in the chat. One of, yes, uh, we do. Steven. All right. Won both Catch of your leagues. Nice. Nice, man. Well, Good well job. Done. Well done, champ. Um, 
Thanks for tuning in and all the listeners who are listening on the podcast or watching live. Greatly appreciate it. Um, interesting season to say the least, but if we could do a little bit to help you out in any way, I'm glad we could do it. And again, just thankful for all you tuning in. Yeah, for sure, man. And continue to tap in with us. We have the playing tournament mm-hmm. to talk about. The playoffs are going to be starting by next, next time we talk. Um, so, yeah, it's an exciting time for hoops, and we're going to continue bringing the offseason content. This Today was all rookies. You know, we're going to get into some disappointments. We're going to talk about each position, give you all kinds of breakdowns as we're heading into the draft and into free agency. So make sure you continue to tap into the Round Ball Stew podcast. Thanks again. And hopefully you guys were able to secure your titles like Steven. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place, Wednesday, 1.30 Eastern time. All right. See you next time. Peace. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.